Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Seeking Sustainability Live. I'm JJ Walsh in Hiroshima, Japan. And today I am talking with Zoe Bouchard Kanzawa in Kochi. Did I get it? Okay, yeah, you did. You did. You did. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me.、Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Now, it's a really interesting background. Can you tell me a little bit about、um, your CGI animation background and meeting your husband in Canada and then coming over? I love that backstory. Sure.、Um, so, I'm originally from Quebec, a small town in the northeast of Quebec in Canada. And I,、uh, I started studying. 3D animation, I think it was in 2010. And then I finished the, the program, started working in CGI in Montreal. Soon realized that it wasn't really for me,、uh, mostly because of the being indoors part, I think. And there was also a,、um, a part of me who really wanted to travel, as I think a lot of people you know, can relate to that. So I bought a,、um, a ticket to Australia. Which, for what I thought was going to be three months, and it ended up being four years, nearly five years. So I,、um, I established myself in New Zealand for the most part. And then I went to Australia as well, Southeast Asia, a lot of, a lot of places, met a lot of beautiful people. And、uh, as soon as I actually came back to Canada, when I was like, okay, I need to go back home, it was mostly for the lack of visa that I. Had to go back, but I,、uh, I went back home and then I found a, a、uh, job to teach yoga at a rafting resort in, in British Columbia. So I thought that's perfect. It's as far from my home as possible in Canada. <laughs> Not that I don't like home, but I wanted some adventure.、Uh, so I went to, to that place, which was about three hours east of Vancouver. And、uh, I met my husband there. So he was a, a rafting guide at that same resort. And I was a yoga teacher there, as well as doing you know, work around the, the rafting base. And、uh, so he,、um, he was on his working holiday visa in, in Canada. So it kind of made sense that we had to, if we wanted to stay together, I had to, to move to Japan, which is not something that I had you know, planned at all. Prior to that point, I didn't obviously I didn't know any Japanese. I didn't really, I mean, I knew a little bit about Japanese culture,、uh, but not, not so much. I think I learned、um, when I came here, which you know, could, could have been a little bit of a silly way to do things.、Uh, I did learn a few things before coming, but it was very much learning as I went. Uh, back then, so we, we came back to Japan. We、uh, worked well, he had worked previously at that company, which is actually next to where Violet、uh, is in Otoyo. So we, we worked there. Well, I worked there for a season, he had worked there for like about eight seasons before. He had worked in Minakami as well. And then after, we were like,、mm, I think we want to start our own business because. Because of several reasons, but the main one being that we wanted to have the freedom to,、um, to, to choose、uh, what to do with the business. And I also had some background, not especially in, in marketing, but in,、um, in design and visual effects. So that's also part of you know, the, doing the marketing, doing Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. So we thought we can probably wing that. So we,、uh, we were road tripping around the island. We found this place here and we're like, this, this is stunning. Someone should start a business here. And so we did.、Uh, we, we started the business in January last year. And yeah, and now I've been, we've been living here since. So,、uh, and we don't have any regrets. <laughs> I think I wow, can talk to both of us. And starting a business right before coronavirus. Um, have you been able to survive on domestic customers? Or has, I mean, I would assume that a lot of international visitors would be very interested in what you do. So, how has the coronavirus time been?、Uh, yeah, actually, it has been kind of a blessing for us to start the business in January because if we were working for someone else, 
it would have been very difficult to have any work uh, because obviously there was no tourism and if there was people coming it would have been you know that the people who own the company who would have gone for for example rafting trips um so we didn't and we didn't have any employees yet right at that point so that was also a very good thing we didn't have to to worry about uh about providing for for anyone else but the two of us so that was that was good as far as the um the people coming to us we have one of the only english websites in shikoku i believe i don't want to speak too fast but from what i from what i've um i've seen not a lot of companies have got english websites so usually when people come uh, from tokyo or osaka obviously that hasn't been happening so much but some people have been coming and then they they always said that they found us through google which is very interesting because usually it takes a long time to to be recognized on Google and to be well established. So that was something that we kind of bypassed because there was not a lot of of people with um, with any other language but Japanese. And yes, we have been able to survive on 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 domestic um, on domestic customers, people coming mostly from Kochi, from Shikoku. Uh, and since we were a new business, a lot of people wanted to try it out because they they've never really experienced um, the, the canyon and the river in that way that you really immerse in it. You can obviously look at it from the side, but it's not the same thing as if you're in in the canyon and and you're um, you're really kind of experiencing it from below, uh, which is a, an amazing feeling. So yeah. we've been very lucky well, in just, that sense. Just to pause there for a second, I love how you have transitioned from a life in front of a screen doing CGI to being an outdoor guide and adventure specialist for travelers in this beautiful area of Kochi, Japan on Shikoku Island. Uh, just to give the viewers outside of Japan an idea of where you guys are, uh, let's bring the map back mm -hmm. a little bit. And so it looks like if I was to drive from the Hiroshima area, it would take me about four and a half hours to drive. And it's about the same coming from Osaka or Kyoto, um, that area, or even Okayama. But I guess most people from Tokyo, they would fly. And even from Osaka, it's about an hour to fly. And then maybe rent a car when they're there, or you guys would pick them up. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Uh, so a lot of people actually, it was surprising to me how much of the the visit on our websites are from the Hiroshima and Osaka and Kyoto area, and a few from Tokyo as well. Uh, so yeah, people are definitely interested in Shikoku. I think it's it's just very remote. It's kind of wild, so it's not really a, a typical um, you know destination. Uh, so I think a lot of people are interested in that. And yes, to answer your question, people usually drive when they, they come from the Kansai area. That being said, from Tokyo, it's it's very rare that someone's going to drive all that way. We've done it before, but I wouldn't recommend it if it's just for a weekend. So yeah, you can you can fly to uh, to Kochidioma Airport and then either rent a car from there. We do offer pickups from the airport, but in general, I would say if you really want to enjoy your time in Shikoku and, and the goal is not only to come here, um, renting a car would be probably the, the best idea because there's so many nice remote areas to go to that you wouldn't be able to access uh, through train or tram or anything like that. So I would definitely recommend renting a car. As far as um, co someone coming on JR goes, the closest, uh, GR station is about 30 minutes away from here, but we do offer free pickup. So if someone is, is coming through by train, that's also possible. Awesome. Um, yeah, so it's definitely worth getting there. It's a little bit out of your way, but the kind of offerings that you guys have and the, the fees that you're charging for the services is very reasonable. So uh, if people can come and stay, like how long would you recommend they stay? At least three nights, four days, you think? Mm, yeah, I would, I would say so. I think there's so many things to do around here. There, and there's also amazing cafes. 
uh, local tea that you can, you know, you can experience. There's a really nice coffee shop. Or, well, there's many, but there's a very nice coffee shop around five, 10 minutes drive away from us. There's an onsen. There is a, a newly opened craft brewery in the mountain about 10 minutes away from our base. Uh, and there is there's free campgrounds everywhere. So that's the, the, the one of the best part of, about the area is that you can, most, for the most part, if you see a beach, um, you can pitch your tent for free. So that's, a, that's been a huge appeal for people as well who are uh, camping enthusiasts. Yeah, that makes uh, a big difference because actually in other areas of Japan, it's not that easy to just pitch a tent on a random beach or riverside, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm showing your website right now, Nioto Adventure. Great website, by the way. Very easy to navigate. Lots of great pictures. We're going to go through some of the great pictures soon for the adventure sports that you guys offer. Um, but you're also talking about the local area here. So you talk about onsen, which is for people unfamiliar outside Japan. Onsen is a natural hot spring bath, which is such a great part of Japanese culture to soak in an onsen after an active day. I love it. Um, craft beer, local craft beer. Oh my gosh, what a great asset to the area. Mm -hmm. uh, you also talk about fishing. So the main feature that you guys are using for your services as well is all based around the river. Is that right? That's correct. There is three rivers that we go on and there is the the main canyon is right in front of me right now like down there uh and it's the nakats canyon and then there's the neodo river which is the main river and then there's there's a few connecting to uh to that main river awesome let's talk about some of the um adventure travel and i would say ecotourism that you guys offer sustainable tourism because you're not using uh fossil fuels to run boats or anything it's all using nature and trying to leave a very light footprint is that right that is definitely correct yeah the, that's the the thing that we well, the, the main thing that drove us to start this business is that we care about nature deeply. And uh, that's not only our way to reconnect with nature, but also to invite people to do the same. And when there is rubbish, which is quite rare, I must say, but we always pick it up and we take it with us. So, yes. That's awesome. And so important. Um, we have talked to Dave Enright, who is in the Hakuba area of Nagano, and he's also cleaning up along the riverside. He's doing uh, similar rafting experiences. Um, it's great to have another area of Japan worth seeking out. It's so different in terms of what you're going to see around the area. And looks like you have some rapids as well as canyoning. So tell me about canyoning. So canyoning is, I would say, our main activity because people are not really familiar with what the other activity is, uh, which we can talk about in, in a minute. Uh, but canyoning is going in a, a canyon or a valley, and then it can be quite different from a company to the other. So it's good to look on the website on what that involves. Uh, for some people, it's abseiling. Uh, it can be uh, having a, I've got the French word in, in my head, a zip line. Uh, it can be jumping in the water, like cliff jumps, things like that. It can just be enjoying yourself in the canyon. Uh, so it, for us, we don't have a zip line just yet, but we're kind of working on it. That's something that I've been pushing because <laughs> I really want it. And uh, so that involves you being immersed in the nature and then doing some cliff jumps, doing some abseiling and all that in a in a safe environment. So obviously with, with some guides, which is not something that you could do otherwise. And uh, the, the view is just amazing. Sometimes we, uh, we post, well, sometimes we post photos on our social media quite regularly, but even locals, from the area who've lived here for 50, 60, 70 years, they uh, they think it's another country because they have never seen it from that angle or from um, from within the canyon. So we're really proud of that and we're really happy that we can bring that to people and even people who thought they knew everything about their own town and then they can see other, other aspects of it or other um, angles. 
that's awesome. Um, so have you guys had training in Canada uh, for canyoning or is this something you've trained and learned since you started the business? Mm -hmm. So I personally, I don't go on the canyoning tour. I usually go on the packraft tour. Uh, my husband, yeah, is, is definitely uh, heavily trained in, in canyoning. So he's trained mostly in Japan and Minakami. There's a lot of a lot of uh, outdoor, there's wilderness first aid course, there is canyoning courses, and then he's been a raft guide for nearly 10 years, so he's definitely very comfortable in the water. And prior to that, he was a scuba diving instructor, and he's studied marine biology, so he really likes the water. Just <laughs> He really, really likes it. Uh, and then, so as far as I go, I definitely enjoy going on, on the canyoning tour, but I it's just so much to think about that I'd rather, you know, have a hire another guide to just be a hundred percent sure that, you know, there's no problem um, in the Canyon. As far as pack crafting goes, I'm definitely more comfortable. And he has been the one training me to do, to go uh, on the pack craft tour. So I'm never go by myself. It's always with my husband uh, to guide. And it's mostly to translate when we have, uh, English people coming or French people coming. So I'm going to be on the river with him, but it's That's very awesome. important. Yeah. The training is, is paramount. You need, yeah. you need to have training because something can, you know, things happen really quick and it can be really bad, especially with canyoning. I would say it's, uh, if you get injured in the canyon, it's way more difficult than if you get injured on the water, on the, on the river. Uh, in terms of access and getting out of the canyon, so yeah, it's the, the the training is definitely very important. Yeah, I actually tried uh, canyoning not far from Hiroshima City. Um, there's a young entrepreneur trying to get that started around here as well. And even though it was a rainy day, no problem to go canyoning. Um, so that's really great when you have an outdoor adventure already booked that you don't have to worry too much about the weather if it's light rain. Uh, but then he was saying, as I'm sure your your husband knows as well, you do really have to watch the weather because if the water suddenly rises or becomes stronger, you know, safety is such a paramount concern, I imagine, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, now we're very lucky because we moved in a house that's right next to the canyon so we have a gauge there's this one rock that if it's in water it means we can't go canyoning and then uh, and then if it's above the water it means that it's okay to go but we always go double check uh, whereas before we lived about 20 30 minutes away from here so we always had to drive double check in the morning then call everyone They're like okay it's good to go as far as the rain goes though you're gonna get wet anyway so that's <laughs> that's fine as far as uh you know the the rain is not torrential and in that case it's it's very important to to watch out for flash floods uh but we're also very lucky in the location because if it's there's too much rain we can go pack rafting and if there's too much rain for pack rafting we can go to another river and then if that is also out of the question, we can go rafting. So on a big boat instead of an individual boat. So we have quite a lot of, of choice. It's pretty rare that we cancel tours altogether, except if there's a typhoon or if, um, if the person is really just interested in canyoning and doesn't want to go, for example, rafting or pack rafting. So in that case, um, cancel the, uh, cancels happen. Is that how you say it? Yeah. But that's, that's such a good way to do it, right? Like you also can teach yoga, you have onsens in the area. So as long as you plan a few days or a week would be great um, to spend in the area, then if one day is not perfect or even the morning is not good, but the afternoon is fine, you can be a bit flexible and get people out enjoying the outdoors during that time. But if someone just comes one night, two days, that would be really difficult. Big risk of cancellation maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, definitely, especially around this time because it's the rainy season. So it can it can be quite dependent on, on the weather, like you just mentioned. And also there are so many other cool things to do around here. Like you drive two hours away south and you've got Shimanto and there's amazing surfing there. Uh, 
and there's an um, a man who's Australian who has a school as well. So if you don't speak any Japanese and and you want to experience something, that's also something that's amazing. I've I've gone and I loved it, even though I couldn't really stand up. But that's another <laughs> that's another subject. Um, and yeah, Kochi has well, Kochi and Shikoku has so much to offer that you wouldn't want to just stay in on the island for for one night or two nights. I would say yeah, for easily a week going around. There's a, a really cool uh, treehouse cafe that's called Ivy on Instagram for people who are interested. And uh, there's Kamikatsu as well, which you have mentioned several times on your podcast. Um, yeah. and, and that's yeah. that's a couple hours drive away. It's not too far. Um, even though it's on the same Shikoku Island, it does take time because you've got mountain roads. So it's not that easy. When you look on the map, make sure you take into account that there are big mountains around. <laughs> so even, even from yeah. Kamikatsu to, I think I was looking one of my trips to Kamikatsu, I was thinking, I'll just go over to the Ia Valley. And mm -hmm. I think it was two hours, even though on the map it's not far away, but you have to kind of go around the mountains, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be 50 kilometers away and it still takes you an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, because yeah, because it's mountain roads and because the the traffic is pretty slow here. Like back in Canada, you know, it's a, it's a hundred k's away. You can do it in an hour, but here that's not at all how it works. I don't know if it's everywhere in Japan because most of my Japanese life I've lived on Shikoku, so I don't really know what's happening elsewhere. But the, uh, the here, yeah, it takes forever to get to get anywhere, but it's enjoyable too. You can stop go for a swim, you know, do something, go for a hike. But as, as long something. as, as long as, like I said before, as long as you're not in a rush, as long as you have a little time and you know, you've got craft beer there, you've got onsens there, you, you rent out sauna tents, which we're going to talk about. So there's a lot of versatility in terms of what you guys are offering to make a well-rounded trip, no matter how long you stay or what you want to do. Let's talk about pack raft. I'm so excited about this, and this is your specialty, right? Yeah, I love to. I love to think that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love pack rafting so much. I it's it's great because I've been around people who kayak for a long time, uh, whitewater kayak, and that's not really a sport that's easy to, I would say, get into um because it takes a lot of technique it, you know you have to, to buy a boat which is a few thousand dollars so i think packraft is a great gateway into um into whitewater kayaking if that's something that people are interested in or just by itself is also amazing so everyone's kind of familiar with what a raft is um and it can be quite a big boat it can have eight sometimes 10 people, sometimes six. Uh, so these packrafts are individual. So you control your own boat, which is super exciting. Um, when, especially if you've gone rafting a few times and then you're like, oh yeah, like now I'm ready for the, maybe the next step, or you just, you know, want to, to see what it's like to control your own boat. Um, and then we go through a grade two rapids on the river. So the, the rapids go from zero being flat water to level five, well, six being like the Niagara Falls. So you, that's not really, you know, that you can't unrunnable basically. And then five being really, uh, really uh, big waterfalls and, and such. So that's not in anything that we're doing either. Uh, we're we're staying within like the, the two um, two grade, so that means that you still get a few rapids, um, and then flips do happen. So you both can flip, but you're just in the water and you can swim on the side, and that's also in a very safe environment. So that's that's a, a great part of it because there's a lot of our customers who do have their own pack rafts, but they don't necessarily want to go by themselves on like a this type of river they prefer staying on flat water just in case so we offer that kind of level up for people who already have pack rafts and for people who've never done kayaking really um in in their life which is also another amazing thing is that pack rafts are around one or two kg so you can easily carry them if let's say you see a rapid and you don't want to do it you're like mm, that I don't really feel that one. You can just take your pack raft on your shoulder, walk around it, and then keep going. 
Uh, Wait, one to two kilograms? Because I have a blow up, uh, stand up and paddle, and I think it's at least 10 kilograms. So that's amazing. The uh -huh. pack rafts, are they made in Japan? Where do you get them from? So, they, no, they're not made in Japan. The, the people who supply them are based in Japan. And they, I, to my knowledge, there are no pack rafts being manufactured in Japan. Most of them are either made in China. Some of them are made in Canada and some of them are made in New Zealand. But I believe they're also manufactured in China. So it's just a matter of picking a good Chinese supplier. Um, and they are made out of uh tpu which is the same material that makes dry bags so it's pretty it's pretty light it's not like pvc the big uh the big boats that are super heavy so yeah it's great so a lot of people do what's called a uh, pack raft and biking tool so bike bike rafting or uh so you can actually kind of fold your bike on top of your pack raft, go down the river, and then when you, you want to get out of the river, you hop on your bike, and then you put your pack raft in your backpack, and you keep going. So that's also a really cool uh, thing that we want to try, actually, in Shikoku, in uh, maybe in the Shimanto area, or maybe, you know, around, we want to explore and do multi-day trips like that um soonish maybe this year maybe next year and maybe think about offering that as well if if that's something that people might be interested in as far as you know the the current situation goes that's not really something that's possible because of you know the the risk that's involved in that so like you know stay with someone stay with people for several days but that's definitely something that we think about uh because it's so easy to carry and it's yeah it's so easy to uh to go around with with a background that's awesome. That really opens up versatility a lot. Uh, let's mention some of the prices. It looks like the price for Packraft. Can you tell us how long it takes? Um, yeah. Like, is it a half day and about the cost? Yeah, so it is a half day. It's around, depending on, again, the water level, because if it's really high, it's going to go faster. Uh, it's around two hours, sometimes three hours, uh, the, the whole tour. So from the moment that you come in the base to the moment that you leave, it's around three hours-ish. Uh, again, depending on the, the person's skills, if they want to stop on the side, if they want to do a rapid twice. And it's 8,500 yen. So that's the case for all of our tours, actually. So it's pretty easy, straightforward. It's the same price, except for the Tensona, which is another thing altogether. But the uh, yeah the the price is the same for canyoning as well, and canyoning is around the same time I would say, uh, yeah. So our trips usually start at like nine, and then by twelve ish, eleven thirty, uh, you you can go about your day. That's awesome, and it looks like so much fun. So you've been doing this for a year. Um, what size groups can you take? Do you keep it small, like five people or? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, so for the pack rafting, uh, with one guide is around four people only. So if we have two guides, we can go up to like seven, eight boats. Um, and then for canyoning is around the same. So the max is around seven, eight people. And then it looks like there's uh, some rapids or certain areas of the river where the water flows faster. So in that case, of course, you're just following downstream. Um, but on other parts of the river, is there not so much water flow and you can go back and forth, like different levels? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So we have basically after rapids there's what's called an eddy on the side so the water goes in the other direction so let's say the water is going this way down here there's going to be kind of the water going the opposite direction so let's say you do a rapid then you can kind of step on the side and there's often an area where you can carry your boat and go around the rapid so if you want to do it twice you can always just carry your boat up and then go back again if you which happened to me if you, you flip and you want to like they say in japan revenge so you want to do it a, again uh that's something that's possible and as far as the water flows it's it's i would say the rapids are around 
if they're not right next to right one after another they're about maybe a hundred meter down from each other like that's kind of the the further most uh the, the biggest gap that we have in between the rapids it's not continuous in the sense that it's every every two minutes that you have a rapid but you have time to enjoy yourself you have time to jump in the water we also have cliff jumps on the pack rafting tour uh, so that's also something that that's possible to do um, with the Lion King rock. Actually, we've just baptized it like last week. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so you have time to to chill, but there's also times where you need to focus and try to go down the rapid the right way. Is that what's happening in this photo? Is he jumping off the Lion King rock? That's not the Lion King rock. Not no, that one. Okay. No. So that that's we a have great photo. I love it. Yeah, it was a a tourist from Tokyo, I believe. That was in maybe April last year, I believe. Uh, prior to all the the lockdowns and emergency um, emergency states, so the yeah, that one is not the Lion King rock, but the the other one's kind of little perch, and it does kind of look like the Lion King rock. So that obviously that's why we named it like. That's awesome. Yeah. I grew up in Hawaii on Oahu and we have Waimea Bay, which is a beautiful beach and they have a big rock next to it. And that's something that we always wanted to do is go to Waimea Bay to jump off the rock into the water. And it's such a thrilling part. And of course, in canyoning, you have some jumping off, not as big rocks, but jumping off into the water as well. So it's nice you've put it as a part of the pack rafting tour as well. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of our goals was to get people in, at least in the flow state. So we, you're not just walking through being like, oh, yeah, this, like, it's beautiful. I'm enjoying this. But you also have to, there's a, some, some level of challenge and uh, you know you have to focus on on what you're doing and i think that's a big part of the why we're doing this is to get people out of their heads and into their bodies and to truly experience the nature and what they're doing and to focus uh so that was something that's super important for me and and the the theme almost of my year trying to kind of challenge myself with like i said surfing with backrafting with cliff jumping with things like that so we're just trying to get more people out there and, and experiencing the same thing. That, I love that. Uh, do you ever do like, uh, because you teach yoga, do you ever do like morning yoga and then pack rafting and then afternoon canyoning, like put everything into one day or do you kind of spread it out with, with different groups? So the, the yoga teaching I mostly do in the city because I unfortunately can't really teach in Japanese. So uh, I teach in English in Kochi City. That's around once a week that I do that. That's something that would definitely be possible in the future once my level of Japanese gets a little bit higher, <laughs> so a little bit better. Um, but that's not something that we've done uh, just yet. We've done some tensona and um, with the package of you know going packrafting or canyoning, but not yoga yet. But that's a good idea, actually. I thought about it like a year ago, and then I kind of forgot about it. So that's a good reminder. I love that idea. I, mm -hmm. I would love, you know, waking up real early, having yoga like on the riverside, doing a little pack rafting, then have a nice breakfast, you know, and then do something else. Like I, I love those things set together. And because you have the skills, seems perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm. Go ahead. So the actually now we're up, it's not on our website, but I think that's something that you'll think is very interesting. Now we're operating from an abandoned uh, shogakko, so uh, primary school. So we since, you know, it's a it's a, uh, a small town, I think, as in a lot of other places in Japan, there's a lot of abandoned schools. And I mean, it's not exactly abandoned. They use it for storage, but there's also a co-working space that they've created. So you can rent one of the classrooms or two of the classrooms, which is what we're doing. And then uh, we've built, you know, our changing rooms, everything, the, the life jackets, rack, everything there. And we're operating from that. But in the future, maybe we're going to want to to build a, a bigger space if, if needs be. And that's something that I... 
and definitely keeping in mind like a big yoga deck uh, and then the roughing area, possibly a little zero waste uh, store like I was mentioning before to you. And yeah, I have a lot of ideas on that's step. awesome. I'm so excited for what you and Violet are doing for that area because like Violet was saying as well, uh, she introduced a place on the NHK program, which is reusing the old abandoned school. And when you lose population from these areas, that's one of the effects, right? The schools become abandoned, but you can still use the building or a lot of the houses are abandoned. So you could still remodel an old house that has a great view and make a, a deck for yoga and you know a little cafe or something. There's so much potential. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, there's so much potential. There's so many buildings that are not in use here. And again, like you said, the views are amazing and they, there's so much good material. Like it's really well done. It's just that there's not a lot of people living here anymore and uh, as far as our town go I think there's a lot more new people moving in and I think that is thanks to Ken uh, the who started the brewery in the mountains so he's kind of trying to get some of his American friends to move here which is which has been kind of cool uh, and then we move here so we're kind of trying in our own way to to um, to revitalize the town and to get more new energy here. And so I just in my in my neighborhood, I'm definitely the youngest one here. So and they obviously I'm the only person coming from overseas. So mm, so yeah, it's it's cool. That's awesome. Uh, since I have it on screen, can you explain about the sauna tent? I love that idea. Mm, yeah, so we uh, we started that last winter because we were thinking, uh, what could we do that could be interesting in the winter as well? Obviously, going canyoning when it's like January, it's not something that's very appealing because it's really cold. So we thought about this on a tent idea. Um, and so it's something that you can literally, again, pitch pretty much anywhere uh, on any beach in, in Niodogawa or around, obviously. So we do rentals next to the Niodo River and also the Doi River on a beach called Miyazaki Beach sometimes. So that's going to depend on what the person wants slash what is what are the best conditions for each beach. So depending on the water level, the water color as well. So we uh, we kind of decide where it goes, except if the person really requests a certain place. So we set that up for the people. We provide all the wood necessary. We provide also the Hinoki essential oil that's made in Niodogawa. So the, I think it's Japanese cypress in, in English. And uh, so you mix that with your water and then you put it on the rocks and that's creating some steam. So it's a, a, um, it's a, a wet sauna, it's not a dry sauna. And you go and swim in the water, come back in the sauna, and then relax. And we also have a kind of a little chilling area. So another tent that you can go in to relax. Um, so we kind of set that up on the spot. We never leave it for long periods of time. So if we have an, a booking, then we go set it up. We leave it for maybe one or two days uh, if we have other bookings, and then we take it back with us. And yeah, everything is provided. You just have to bring your swimsuit and a towel and that's, that's it. That's awesome. So I, I don't imagine there's much demand in summer, although people like to go in onsens even in summer. Um, how about the sauna tent? Just winter, the colder time of year, maybe? Mm, well, for myself, I would say so. But surprisingly enough, we have bookings in July and August, so wow yeah i don't know like i i think it's already a sauna enough outside but that's just me like some people actually around here they uh even in the summer you know when it's really really hot and it's humid they're like oh the the river water is so cold and <laughs> yeah that's the point kind of thing so i think a lot of people are looking for that extra warmth to have the courage to go in the water i think uh, and also, like you mentioned, people in Japan, they, they go to the onsen regardless of the temperature. So even if it's 40, 45 degrees outside, they're still going to go to the onsen. 
I think it's kind of the same dynamic here where they they want also the experience, which I definitely understand because it's it's amazing. You have this little window in the in the sauna tent, so you can see the river from inside the tent. And yeah, it's the, the experience itself. I I can definitely understand the heat. That's something else. I would definitely do it more during the winter, but. Yeah, I would love to do it in the winter and then go out in that challenge dipping in that freezing river. Um, but I, I see the attraction too, like even during the hot season, like to really sweat it out. And then if the river is cool, then it still feels like a contrast. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Uh, let's show your website. Let me see if I can present it from my computer here. Can you see it there? Is it showing up? Uh, it's let me showing. see. Uh, let me get rid of those. And let's see if it goes there. Yeah, I think it's it's on now. Is it on now? Okay. I believe so, yeah. So you've, you've got a great website, and uh, you introduced some other area local eating, like Cafe Cha Asunado, mm -hmm. Ichigoya, and Ikegawa. So these are all local cafes. Is there any vegan, plant-based, vegetarian options? I know this is a big issue for international visitors. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very good question, and I'm very conscious of that myself. Uh, as far as these places go, they're mostly sweet uh, places. So you can definitely get some some uh, manju that is vegan because it's it's uh, beans and rice rice flour. Wow, it's really hard to explain in English <laughs> without the Japanese words. But it, yeah, it, for people who live in Japan, you know what it is. So it's mochi basically with with sweet bean um, paste inside. So that's that's an option. But as far as the uh, the meal itself goes, Asunado offers really nice. Um, really nice options but uh, there is always one piece of chicken on the plate you can always decide to not eat that but as far as the rest of the set goes it is mostly for i from what i think i'm not sure about the dashi and everything but it would be for the most part vegan and then they offer also cha udon so they make udon with the the, the tea powder inside and it's delicious it's really really good uh, as far as Ichigoya Cafe goes, the one that's right next to us, mm, from my understanding, there's no uh, teishoku that, that is vegan or vegetarian. And uh, in general, in the town, uh, there, it's, you know, again, it's not really pro-vegan. I think it's, it's, if you want to go that route, you would have to cook for yourself for the most part, which is, I'm not 100% vegan, or but I'm mostly plant-based, and I have to cook for myself most days here. Um, even, you know, ordering stuff like quinoa and stuff, that's, I have to order that online, unfortunately. Which is yeah. very typical of most parts of Japan and, and us too. If we want to eat vegan, there's a few places we can go in any city. Hiroshima is a few places, but it's it's not easy. It's getting easier. At least there's there seems to be an understanding now uh, about what it is, which definitely helps. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually really funny because the the first time that um, that I mentioned it to someone, like you said, there's more understanding of what it is to be plant-based or vegan. But the first time that I mentioned it to someone um, in Japanese, I said, Ma, niku like I said, I, I can't eat meat. And the person immediately replied with, uh, like ninniku being garlic, but since the word is similar, they're like, can you eat garlic? Because just of the niku word. Anyway, so for me, I was like, okay, they like some people really don't have, <laughs> don't, don't know what it is. And uh, now I think, like you said, it's more, um, it's more known and understood uh, what, what being vegan and vegetarian is. Um, but yeah, there's obviously still still uh, a road ahead, but mm. uh, the website you've got a lot of great videos. Are you taking the videos with a GoPro and uh, it looks like a 360 degree camera? 
Mm -hmm. So we have a lot uh, of videos and cameras. We have a drone. We have, I think, two. We have two GoPros and one GoPro Max. So that was the big. Most of you know the the investment for us was really much in the the content we were going to create because we wanted to do justice to what's around us. Um, so I take a, most of the drone. Well, not most. All of the drone videos I take because. Uh, my husband is scared of piloting a drone and most of the GoPro content, he's the one who uh, who takes, uh, yeah, he he takes the videos. He's either have the, has the GoPro Max on his helmet or the other GoPro on on a um, kind of a stick so people, the, the, the customers can always hold on the, the GoPro and and do that. And actually the, uh, the website I made so thank you. That's awesome. I, I saw some of your customers, you've got the GoPro on the helmet as well. Um, so you can put together some cool footage after you go downstream or something. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We always send the, the videos and photos for, it's included actually in the, in the price. So we send it to the email that uh, the, the guests use to book. And so that's super easy. And then on the on our Instagram, we usually post kind of the best videos of either that day or the week, or it depends kind of how we feel. We should get definitely more uh, on top of posting every single day. But sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a rainy day, so we don't really have a lot of content to post. But we have, I think, one terabyte of footage just from from like four months last year. So uh, yeah, that's that that's a lot but it's also great to have um and i want to use some of my skills that i that i have with you know video editing and and um and design and you know what i've learned in university with the video editing i've made one of the promotion videos already but it's almost i would say outdated now because we have so much new footage so yeah we're quite blessed in that way that whatever we take is going to look good because the place is so beautiful yeah well that's awesome you just can't take a bad photo there i imagine mm. uh one of the things i that surprised me that violet said for her area which is not so far from you when we talked last week is the wi-fi that they have very strong wi-fi as a way to incentivize new residents to come and live there. How's the Wi-Fi in your area? Would you be able to live stream next to the river, for example? Uh, yeah, the Wi-Fi, I mean, in the area that we live in, the Wi-Fi is good, but that's something that we really thought about when we were looking for a house. So that's something that I told the Machiakoba, the town council, that was really important for me and for us. And so some some houses, it doesn't even have to be in the mountain. There, there's just areas, kind of pockets of bad Wi-Fi because it's a different place, a different postcode. I'm not too sure why, but um, but that's the thing. And also when I lived in Otoyo where Violet lives, in if you cross the border to Tokushima in the mountain, the Wi-Fi would be so much better. And it's like two minutes away. So it really depends. You have to do your research, right? Let's say you're thinking about moving in the area. As far as visiting, there is absolutely no problem. You're yeah. going to get Wi-Fi anywhere pretty much. That's great to know, though. I think uh, that definitely adds more appeal, especially now as people are doing more live streaming. And now mm -hmm. that you are on HAPS, I hope to see some live streaming from you. <laughs> As yes. you're, you're yes. doing yoga or pack rafting or canyoning, mm -hmm. I would love to see a live stream of that on HAPS. Please mm -hmm. try it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely open to try. I just don't know where to, to focus my energies. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know, there's so many things out there. So I have to, uh, to, to learn a little bit more about about live broadcast that's not actually something we've ever done and i think it would, could be really cool it'd so, be really cool because yeah. you can engage with the audience people can ask you questions make comments while they see it and i think there's that layer of transparency as well like mm -hmm. oh this is really happening this is not edited like this is live you know there's there's that extra connectivity there mm -hmm. yeah i think you're definitely right and i i was thinking about the 
you know the instagram accounts that i follow that i like the most and it's people who are like you said transparent and going on live and being vulnerable and you know having their face super big on the screen so yeah that that's the next step that we have well i wouldn't say we have that we want to take uh so we we're definitely keeping that in mind yeah mm -hmm. and in your case it would be really important that you are using a phone which is also waterproof which is a an added tricky thing right mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah actually my phone is not waterproof funnily enough uh but we have a lot of cameras that are um yeah that that's a good point i should definitely invest in in a waterproof, uh, waterproof phone i when i actually did canyoning in hiroshima I had my iPhone uh, in a case and I kept it. I really wanted to take care of it, but I wanted to take photos. And then I looked down and the case is full of water. So the phone was full of water and I was like, oh no, have I killed my phone? And people were like, is that the iPhone 10? No, you're fine, it's waterproof. And I was like, what? That was a bonus. So I didn't kill it. So yeah. there are some phones which are made standard waterproof now which is very useful. Mm, yeah, that's a great example of, you know, investing in something that's not gonna break. Uh, yeah, that, and it happens, you know, the, these things. Some people actually lose their GoPros on the river. They insist on taking them, taking it with them, and then they take them out and they're like, yay, like jumping, and then it's gone. So we're gonna have to go dive and try to, to find them. It, it, most of the time we can find them because it's kind of a little pool and the water is really clear. But sometimes we don't, and it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Well, that that could be like a side business. You could uh, find loads of GoPros yeah. at the bottom as your business expands. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to hear a little bit about your woodworking. You said you started woodworking. Is that you're remodeling an old house that you're living in? Yeah, sort of. So we, uh, I mean, as far as the, the foundations of the house go, we are not changing any of that. But we actually, we just finished yesterday the... Uh, the outside area, I can, I can probably share that. Um, so we started in the winter to do woodworking because the area we live in is, so that's one of them here. I don't know if you can see. Is it, oh yeah, okay, it's there. And so that's all that we've just finished that yesterday. And beautiful wood, be able great to see wood. It. Yeah, it's from the the town actually. There's a, a lot of uh, of industries here who do the wood processing. So they go in the mountains. There's a lot of lumberjacks too in the area that they actually. Um, I don't know if you can say import for people, but they import people from other areas in Japan, and they th these people live in town and and do the the woodworking and then there's we actually bought that straight from the um, the you know the people who go in the mountain to um to cut the wood down so that's quite cool i can show also the uh the angle i think i'm gonna have to stop this and then share it one more time so that is the angle that we have from this balcony so that down there is just the it's the canyoning the, the place where we go canyoning it's not that place that that's the kids gorgeous. canyoning place wow so you're right yeah. next to the river right outside mm -hmm. we are yeah we are and that's the the place where we go kids canyoning which is also something that we do with uh it's kind of like a private tour with the family and we can go canyoning there that's not where we go with the our main canyoning um activity it's higher up but we can still see the water level so it's easy to gauge and it must be a bit cooler there because you're next to the water and so many beautiful trees mm, yeah it's amazing and we we've just remade the uh the roof so we can go there when it's raining also and it's it's beautiful i'm really i love really, that that's... simple counter idea so you can mm. work there you can eat there you can just sit and take in the scenery i love it beautiful yeah we actually found that um well found the piece of wood it wasn't exactly found it was in the house where we live but it was just on the side of the house like we're kind of as we rented the house it was just on the side they're so like that's a beautiful piece of wood so we just resanded it we varnished it and put it on there 
and then I made these these little stools on the side, and then we we remade the the floor, the two of us. But this previously was just like a a huge mess. Like the the floor was rotten, and actually we went there a week ago to the day with some friends, and the floor collapsed. So we're like, okay, we need to remake it, and so we've made it over the last week. But yeah, we're really that's the the thing that I like the most about about the house is the view um, that we have here. That's gorgeous. Do you get many mosquitoes in summer, or it's a, it's not so bad? Mm, it's I mean, as far as I'm aware, at this time of the year, it's not too bad. It's it could definitely be worse. And as far as the creepy crawlies go, I haven't seen any any mukades. Well, I've seen one mukade, which is a record. You know, I used to live in the, in the mountains, and it was a daily occurrence. So for those for who don't know, who, yeah. who doesn't know mukade, that's a Japanese centipede, and they're big. Uh, they remind me of the ones I saw in Hawaii growing up there. They're the big mm -hmm. ones. Yeah, I have a friend here actually. One of the the ALTs, he he said the same thing that, that he's from Hawaii, and he says that the you guys have got the same ones there, and. Yeah, they're horrible. I love all animals, but they're horrible. <laughs> they they want to see the world burn. They they go. They're very violent, and there's nothing good to, about them. I have to say, no, there is something good about them. They mm -hmm. are really good for growing vegetables. They are really good oh. for the garden. They are the predator of the dirt. So if we can just keep them outside and keep them away from the house, that would be perfect. <laughs> okay, then you you're giving me a little bit more love towards them, but still, I I must say that I have to keep a a good distance. Actually, I've never been like I've never had a phobia or anything, but that's the closest thing to a phobia that I have. I yeah. Well, if I see one, I think about it all day. Like I'm not even exaggerating. Like. <laughs> I hate yeah. them. I mean, but, yeah. yeah, with roaches, I grew up with roaches. I grew up with centipedes. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with snakes. So whenever I see mm -hmm. snakes here, I'm a bit scared. Mm -hmm. Do you guys um, have some in Hiroshima? Oh, yeah, but they're not, they're not, well, there are some dangerous ones. The mamushi snake, the the one with the triangular head, uh, mm -hmm. you can find that on Miyajima Island sometimes when you're hiking. So it is around. You just got to be aware. But just keep remembering, even with the centipedes, they're more afraid of us than we are of them. So if you make a big noise or shoo them outside, they're not coming for you. They just happen to be, and then they sting you with a defense right yeah. so yeah, yeah. don't I'll need, a, I'll need a little bit more convincing on that but yeah sure <laughs> i believe you <laughs> yeah anyway okay. the, 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 the thing is i haven't seen a lot here which is Good. great i'm really Good. glad yeah <laughs> well we have a few more minutes is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd like to mention uh about about the business well about the area yeah it's it's just a i think a great place to to go off the beaten tracks yeah i think a lot of people who come and visit japan stay within that i think they call it the gold line i believe i'm not exactly sure the term but from tokyo golden, go golden triangle yeah that's it that's it so they go from tokyo osaka you know going to maybe kyoto and then staying within that that area but i think shikoku especially if you've visited japan before and you're looking for another you know another area to visit i yeah i love shikoku so much and i think there's so much potential here and a lot of people who see this place i'm sure would eventually maybe want to move here so that's something that i'm also trying to to promote because you know the more the merrier <laughs> and uh and it's, I think that the the best thing about this place is definitely being surrounded by nature and and the more um, the bigger the community that we have of expats and and people who have new ideas um, the best yeah I'm just I just want some friends basically please come <laughs> that's what I'm saying yeah. well don't you think that the whole coronavirus work from home telecommuting staycation, uh, work, workcation, all of these new terms have really been more readily adopted in Japan and around the world since coronavirus. So 
in a way, rural areas which are beautiful, which have Wi-Fi like yours, are perfect. People can go and stay for a while. It doesn't cost too much to stay for a while. It doesn't take too long to get there. Um, so I really hope we'll start seeing more residents, but also more visitors staying a while. That's certainly more sustainable travel when people spend longer in one area instead of, you know, busily, hastily going around Japan on the rail path. I hope we see less of that and more slow travel for sure. Mm, I agree. I agree. We're here to welcome you. Please come. That's awesome. Well, you guys are doing so much. You have so many services and great products on offer. And it sounds like you're even developing more. I look forward to seeing yoga classes on your deck and vegan eating out by the river somewhere. You know, I think there's, as we welcome international tourists back next spring to next summer, I think we're, we're going to start seeing more of these kind of sustainable options kind of develop more. So it'd be wonderful if you guys can get ahead of the curve. Yeah, I agree with you. I, that's all things that are very inspiring to me. So we're hoping to to get there and hoping to get more um, outbound visitors too, so we can show around how beautiful it is around here. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining and sharing all your insights. I can't wait to come and visit you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. It's wonderful to have you. And thank you everybody for joining today. Uh, we didn't get many comments or questions. I think people were just enjoying our conversation and your beautiful photos. So definitely check out uh, Niodo. Can you tell us the website address? Yeah, it's Niodo Adventures. So Niodo, N-I-Y-O-D-O. Adventure being, you know, A-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-E. That was difficult. Uh, Adventure.com. So, and the, our Instagram is the same name. So you can find us there. Wonderful. And you guys are pretty active and very quick in responding. Um, I engaged with you to set up this talk. So thanks for the quick response. That means a lot. And I'm sure customers would be very happy as well. Thank mm -hmm. you so much, Zoe. That was thanks. awesome. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Have a good day. Bye.